Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Jen Snyder. As a subject matter expert on state and local governments, Jen is interested in meaningful conversations that look both at the big picture as well as dig deep into the nitty-gritty best practice working sessions on all government challenges and opportunities. Jen's 15 years of experience in state and local government space includes guest speaking and moderating for government events, roundtables, and associations. She has another 10 years of experience managing local and international business development initiatives for B2B tech companies. Welcome to the show, Jen. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Great. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, Jen, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. So I've always been... Um, both entrepreneurial as well as um, sales focused in in most of my career. So uh, I started out, you know, serving ice cream cones as a young teenager, and it never stopped. So uh, as I was, uh, you know, um, advancing in my career, I was uh, a realtor for many years, uh, running my own business, and and um, uh, you know, basically pretty much writing my own my own success plan. And I realized as the market was really taking a terrible turn in the uh, uh, early 2000s, I decided that maybe it was time to start looking at another avenue. And I really started kind of digging into the tech space. Uh, unbeknownst to me, it was the gov tech space at that time, but I was really intrigued by all the things that were happening from a technology pers perspective and, and how things were advancing so quickly. And I decided that this was a place I thought my skills would apply. So I moved into tech probably in 2007 uh -huh. and haven't left. <laughs> I've been in the uh, the GovTech space for quite a while now, and it's actually one of the fa my favorite spaces. That's great. Um, nice uh, career journey and doing what you love, which is really, you know, the best part of it. Absolutely. Now, uh, so why do you enjoy selling software to governments? You know, I think the government space is it just a, a really interesting space because there's not a lot of competitiveness. Um, there's a genuine uh, desire to do well with public money. Uh, so, you know, the, the the whole process is just got a different feel and tone to it. And, you know, the fact that the competitive piece is not there. What I what I mean is, of course, there are other vendors in the tech space, but I mean that our neighbors are interested in what others have done. They want to learn from each other and they want to share in the in the research and the efforts they've put in to improve things. So it's a, it's just a completely different, you know, um, approach to selling as well as just a completely different customer base. Yeah, no, that sounds enjoyable when they have a genuine interest in in doing good, you know, with mm -hmm. with um, their spend. So that's great. Um, 
why why do you think that you are you've stayed in this space this long? What makes you like excel in this area? Sure. I have, um, so I've, I've obviously sold in the commercial sector as well. And what I noticed early on was that the commercial sector was usually kind of leading the charge with the latest and the greatest. And so that the, the government space was just, you know, slightly behind on what mm -hmm. the what the most current technology options might be. So when you're in a position where you're up, to, you know, up to speed with what's available currently, and then you're working with clients who might be a couple steps behind that from a from a technology perspective, uh, it's a great educational space. So I do a lot of consulting and a lot of educational discussions about what is even possible from a technology perspective. So that makes it a lot of fun because it's not a you know, um, to use the term rip and replace. I'm not going in and taking one thing out to put in another. It's almost always about improvement. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. And it's it's great that you make it educational, that you can actually teach them about what the benefits are and the improvements are, which really makes a difference. I like that. So Jen, what's kept you in the government space for so long, given some of the inherent challenges you've experienced? And can you share with us some of those challenges? Absolutely. So some of the biggest challenges, obviously, are funding. So, um, you know, because the government is um, kind of ever changing on what could be a two year, four year um you know, outlook, uh, you could be in a situation where you really don't know where funds are going to be available, what type of new initiatives are going to come. So when you're planning, sometimes your plans kind of blow up just based on, you know, uh, new folks coming into office, changes to legislation, things that you may not be able to anticipate. So that can make it really challenging. But, you know, once you're in the space for a long enough time and you understand the rhythm of that and the potentials of that, you can really work and, and help coach your your clients and your customers to, you know, to understand how to navigate that, right? Because at the end of the day, the only reason they're looking at software is to improve something. Mm -hmm. So it's not to be flashy. It's not to have, you know, the, right. the nicest of something. It's definitely to make some type of improvements. And a lot of times it's related to, you know, legal situations. I have to be compliant. I have to you know, follow this legislation. And in order for me to do that well, I need better technology. So mm -hmm. um, so all of those things combined make it a space that just, you know, continues to intrigue me and want me to, to stay. Um, but, you know, again, you know, downfalls in the economy, things like a pandemic, uh, all of those things, even, um, even all the rioting we had this year, I mean, mm -hmm. all of that, except, you know, com completely uh, derails the mm -hmm. process of people being able to focus on what they were focusing on. Yeah, so our day-to-day -day challenges are some of the same things businesses go through and the government goes through as well because, mm -hmm. you know, it affects all of us. So that's, yeah, that is um, pretty similar to even the commercial space. So what are some of the big changes that you've seen in GovTech over the last maybe 10 years? Sure. So when I first came into the space um, and for the several years after that, you know, government was not in um, in the mindset of really trying to communicate and connect with their constituents and their communities in an electronic fashion. So everything was very siloed. Everything was, you know, this department does this, this department does this. And, you know, folks were still walking into City Hall. People were calling on the phone. Um, but there wasn't any type of real um, 
focus on that citizen engagement. And that mm-hmm. changed pretty rapidly. Uh, somewhere around 2008, 2009, it started to really kind of go from we've got a website, but it's really just a static page that gives people some basic information to true interaction. You know, purchase your dog tags. Let us know that, you know, um, there's a tree down in your parkway. Um, tell us that your mailbox was knocked down from snow. And I say that because we're Chicagoans and we uh-huh. appreciate that. <laughs> uh-huh. But so all of that communication really started to grow quite quickly. And then it went into just more and more. And then it became not just communicating with the public, but now it it took on the level of transparency. So now not only do I want to give you access to talk to me and to work with you, but now I also want to proactively provide you information. So the transparency piece came, you know, came into play then a few years later. And that has been continuously been the driving force, I would say, so far that uh, the transparency and the proactive transparency is just getting more and more and more uh, popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are big changes. Um, So, you know, you mentioned that um, public sector and private sector are different where, where the public sector is a little bit behind the the private sector. Um, So how does software differ in each of those uh, sectors, is it different or do companies actually make special software for government versus commercial? Yes. So many, um, many GovTech companies, ours ours included, uh, very much focus on specific um, processes and requirements that the government agencies have and try to make sure that the software is tailored to do that. So where, um, here, I'll give you an example, Uh, a CRM product might be Uh in the commercial space, very focused around sales and support. Uh Um, When you look at what would be a CRM product in the government space, that would be more like a citizen request management system or a constituent Uh uh, request management system. And that's going to be more about serving the public. So they've got needs, we're going to take care of them. So it it doesn't take on any kind of a sales uh, aspect. So in that regard, it is different and it is tailored uh, for those needs. That's great. I I didn't really know that there were, you know, different different versions of the software for public versus private. Um, I know that, um, you know, some of the Microsoft uh, products, have um, different features for government versus commercial, and they're released at different times because of security reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's nice to know that they actually tailor the software to the audience, which is really great. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Um, So how is software viewed in the public sector compared to the private companies? How is it how is it viewed by the government agencies themselves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think that there is a, a great appreciation for technology in the space. Mm-hmm. I think that the GovTech space in general has been growing. So you'll see that, you know, 
our our government agencies have more options and more um, more opportunity to continue to automate and leverage workflows and things like that to to improve processes that are there today. And you know, our governments are are challenged on a regular basis to do more with less, as we all are to some sure. degree. Mm-hmm. But you know, with budget constraints and things of that nature, they you know they seem to to feel that quite quickly. Um, and in doing so, that's the need for technology just becomes more and more important. So, which is why that gov tech space grows. Yeah, that's interesting. So, public records, I know they play a big part in in the public sector. Uh, how do, how what part do public records play in the overall transparency strategy? Absolutely. So first of all, we have, as I mentioned, the proactive t- uh, transparency, things like an open checkbook and, you know, budgeting and spending that might be posted on your website for anyone to come and see at any given time. And then you have the public records space, which is where I know that I'm entitled to anything that's being affected by public funds. Mm-hmm. So it's whether it's how you're spending the funds, you know, uh, what kind of information we've gathered. I mean, if you just think of COVID in general, that just opened up a huge area of public records requests that were not there previously. Um, as governments took on more and more body cams, that mm-hmm. space blew up because those were all things that weren't considered a public record because they didn't exist. So that space just keeps growing and growing, um, you know, as it uh, pertains to what is available to me and what do I have the right to access. But in a public records request versus transparency, I'm actually making the ask of you. I'm asking for what I think I'm entitled to. And then you have time to obviously review that and determine what is appropriate and relevant to be released versus not based on your uh, legislation and your statutes. That's great. So it is, you know, I mean, there's a lot behind it and there's a lot of requests that probably come in that are just not able to be fulfilled, I'm sure. Absolutely. So, well, first and foremost, there's a different set of laws state by state. Mm -hmm. Every state has a different way that they go about determining, you know, the appropriate amount of time to fulfill the request, what can be exempt, what can't be, you know, all of the all of that process, all the way through appealing a public records request and, and, you know, um, coming to some type of decision. So with all of that part of it, (laughs) complicating the process, and then you keep adding more and more things that are now part of the public records request, it makes it very challenging. And then when you look at the pandemic and you look at a workforce that wasn't able to or wasn't prepared in in most cases to work remotely, Mm -hmm. you know, from a from a technology individual staff member technology, I wasn't prepared to work from home. I don't have a laptop to, you know, the infrastructure of your agency not maybe being set up in a manner that I can even access what I need to fulfill a public records request. So it was very mm-hmm. challenging for many of our agencies. Yeah, I believe it. Um, so I know you're a speaker and you speak on many different topics mm-hmm. in the government space. Can you tell us some of the topics that you speak on? So uh, we talk a lot about transparency. We talk about a lot about in, in uh Basically, what we've been talking about, Jennifer, <laughs> a lot uh, okay. regarding uh, improving the technology uh, within your government space. You know what what that will allow you to do. And again, it, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, a focus on change management and how important that is to the process. So a lot of what I'm doing is talking about the public record space in general and what we're seeing and what we're seeing trending and how we can stay in front of that. 
all the way through when you do decide you want to do something from a technology perspective, how can we help you make that be the most successful project, you know, That's of your career, essentially. <laughs> That's amazing to have, you know, somebody like you for the guidance because it can get confusing and it can get, you know, really overwhelming <laughs> if you don't know how it all works. Absolutely. One of the things, Jennifer, that we took away really early and we actually uh, dove dove into this quite a bit starting in 2019 was we realized we realized that our governments um, really wanted to know more about what others were doing right they wanted to learn those best practices they wanted to understand how they were tackling something and so we started to bring our customers together and i do a lot of those events as well so we call them our peer-to-peer roundtables where mm-hmm. we just you know we do a poll in a regional area we understand what folks are what are the hot topics maybe there's a legislative cha- legislative change coming and we want to give them the opportunity to share with each other and brainstorm and come up with some ideas. So I bring those groups of folks together and I just facilitate those conversations. And our customers have really appreciated um, that opportunity to have a voice with their, you know, their fellow agencies. Yeah, I bet they learn a lot from those as well as they're able to share a lot. So what a great way um, to to continuous, you know, learning mm-hmm. about the industry and what's working and what's not. So I love that. That's great. Um, so as a working woman, you know, um, it's really tough, tough to balance work and home and family and, you know, everything, because now that we're virtual, especially, I feel like I'm working day and night, you know? <laughs> so what, what are some of your hobbies and, what do you do? What are some of your interests outside of work? Sure. I am. So I'm, I'm an, a huge cook. I love to cook. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most people have a stressful day and they just want to hide their head under their covers and I want to cook dinner for someone. So, <laughs> well, you can come over and cook dinner for me anytime. I'm a huge cook. I love yoga. I do yoga every day. Um, uh, I love to swim. Um, as I mentioned, I love the water. So those are some of my favorites. I love to do, you know, um, kind of creative projects with my husband. Uh, we just uh, put some uh, beams up in our, our family room. We are, we just built a table out of uh, antique barn wood. So we, you know, lots of crafty things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, that takes your mind off of work and helps you relax as well. So in closing, what advice would you give to a woman that's considering a career in the tech industry? Because, you know, I really want to motivate more women and encourage more women to consider career in tech. Yeah, great question. I think the one thing I would take away from it is that tech, you know, a career in tech does not necessarily mean you're a coder or a developer. I think sometimes when people hear tech, they think, oh, you must have went to school, you know, uh-huh. And there's so many aspects of the tech space that women and, and anyone can be a part of that don't necessarily mean you're going to be writing software code. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's, you know, everything from supporting customers to being a project manager and, and leading someone through a successful project to being in the sales environment or, you know, we have customer success managers that just make sure we have good customers who really are happy about being with us. Um, so there's so many ways that you can be a part of tech in the, you know, in the tech space, especially in the gov tech space, that I would encourage anyone who is interested in, you know, working with customers, working to see something good be created and brought to other people. You know, that's what tech's all about. And um, 
being able to do that in any one of those, you know, uh, areas that I just mentioned, it's a, uh-huh. it's a great space to be. It is. Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, a lot of women um, think that you have to be a coder or you have to have a science degree or you have to love math, you know, right. in order to be in tech. And that's not really true. So I think you, you hit it right on the, the nail on the head saying, you know, there's so many other cur- career paths that you can take outside of coding. Coding is just one of them. Um, so definitely consider that and uh, investigate, you know, where your passion is and what there is. Um, as a career for you in the tech industry. So great advice. And so, Jen, can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. So you can find me on our website, which is govqa.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And then my email address is jsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at govqa.com. Great. Well, thank you so much. This was such an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. And I hope to have you on a show in the future. Wonderful. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.